This is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. Right, Brad, this is a very festive recipe that we're doing, and it is just perfect this time of year. It's actually one of my favorite things to make outside of a Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry is very similar to the eggnog that we're doing today. Yep, but eggnog, once I keep telling everybody this because I just made it last week, I tell everybody once you make it homemade the first time, you'll A, see how easy it is to make it home. And B, once you taste it, you'll never buy store-bought eggnog again. Yeah, I would agree. Eggnog isn't for everybody. Some people out there just kind of wretch at the at the, the idea egg. of eggs in a drink. But yeah. it, it just it's cool. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want to use farm fresh chicken eggs from your backyard. Go for the pasteurized eggs in the grocery store. That's my recommendation here. Somebody asked me if they should use your fresh chicken eggs. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I'll, I'll do a lot of things. I just won't eat those raw. Sure. But it's it's when you make it on your own, it's not as gooey, if right. you will, as the store-bought stuff. And there's a wide range of, of store-bought stuff, but this it's just easy to make. And yet, make it on your own. It's just, it's way better. Plus, the recipe I'm delivering here is... A little boozy. Yeah. And listen, if I'm going to have the calories, which if you're worried about calories, stop drinking. <laughs> this is Don't not this is it. not a sport for you. Well, especially in the holidays too. I mean, come on, just tack it on at that point, but make it good. What's an extra couple of miles a day on, really? on the old treadmill? Yeah. But listen, this recipe that I have is a little boozy and it cuts right through all that thickness and makes it worthwhile. It packs a punch, but man, a good punch it packs. Like the Clark W. Griswold kind of like, it's good. Well, and Brad, you're going to kind of cringe, but I will say I have made this many times now and I have had a lot of people ask me about the sugar content and there is a lot of sugar, but- Don't ask. Number one, yeah, you're right. Don't ask. But number two, if you are concerned, like my sister Luciana is, we've started using monk fruit sugar and it is slightly sweeter, so we back it down a lot. But you kind of taste as you go, if you will, like after you make a couple of batches. But the monk fruit is a good alternative to try if you're trying to be a little bit more conscious of the ingredients you're using. Yeah. <laughs> Making eggnog is an investment. Mm -hmm. So you know your monk fruit game Yeah, before you do that. Well, and I will say, as I'm doing the 25 Days of Christmas Bread, as you know, I've made my own version of eggnog and I see your recipe and I will get to my comments on your recipe because there are many ways to make the nog. My way is a little bit different. It's not as sweet because it doesn't use as much sugar. And I don't use egg whites. So, oh, yeah, I just keep it with the yolks. I just think the flavor is just a little bit more creamy and rich. And I don't drink okay. as much. So if you are curious, you can check out my 25 days. I have my recipe on there. Might be kind of fun to taste test Brad's today and then go back and maybe try mine and do a little taste tester. I mean, come on. Tis the season. 
tis the season. Well, all right. So we're going to get into uh, making the eggnog. And then I'll, of course, get into the history behind the eggnog and some interesting stories to tell there. And then Jules, we got a tip. What's our tip today? This is season four, right? So we're upgrading our episodes. And one of the things is we're, we gotta keep our tips down. I can go on tangents with my tips. So I'm keeping it under three minutes and it's- a Just a bit. Uh-huh. It's fun <laughs> and it's easy. And the tip is gonna be holiday ice. So I have two really easy tips on how to make really fun and festive ice that you can make at home really great. And then Brad, not only are we going to talk to the Nog, the homemade Nog, we're also going and we're going to switch off every episode. So this episode, it's your turn. You're going to make my cocktail, which is an eggnog white Russian. So we're also going to touch upon my cocktail, which is so fantastic, especially if you have the homemade Nog. So I think... We have a good episode ahead of us, and I'm ready. I'm ready for some eggnog. All right. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Hello. Okay. All righty then. So, Brad, I figure since you're making the cocktail, and I'm sorry. See, you just took a swig of water. You're thirsty. Yeah, I'm thirsty. I think you should make the cocktail first, and then we'll talk about making the homemade eggnog. What do you think? Okay, so we're going to do your cocktail first, and then I'll talk about how to make mine. And the reason why is it's an investment and would be difficult to listen to. And we'll put a video up and you can watch kind of alongside. But I think it's just first you got to get your shopping ingredients in place. So, all right, Jules, I'm going to walk over to my cocktail making station. Perfect. And you're going to walk me through the cocktail. Amazing. I love this. This is so fun. So... We're making an eggnog white Russian. And I love this drink because you can build it in your glass. And Brad, you have your rocks glass. It's filled with ice. Perfect. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by adding one and a half ounces of vanilla vodka. Now, if you just have regular vodka, I have a little tricky trick, which Brad, you don't have to do this, but I have a trick. I actually have vanilla vodka. Ooh, Okay, let me go get it. Go grab that. And I'm going to speak to my trick. My trick is, is if you only have vanilla vodka, but you have vanilla extract, what I do is I add in to my jigger the amount of vodka that I need. And I add in about a splash of vanilla extract. And that way you get your vanilla flavor without having vanilla vodka. It's not the same, but it'll get you by for one, if that makes sense. I've definitely been in a pinch and didn't have vanilla vodka on hand, so I cheated. And it oh, worked. I got it right here. Perfect. <sighs> All right, Brad, you're really earning that cocktail. Okay, so ounce and a half, and a half vanilla vodka into your ice-filled glass. Bonus points if you have the clear ice. That works too. Uh, I don't. No, it's all right. Ounce and a half right on in there. Yoinkus. Yep. Then we're going to do an ounce of our coffee liqueur. You can use, I see Brad has Kahlua. My favorite is Mr. Black's. I know a lot of brands out there are starting to get with their local coffee roasters. So just find a fun one you like. But we're going to do one ounce of coffee liqueur. Boom. All right. Yes. Now, this is optional because I know some people don't like almond, but we're going to add a splash of Disarono. About a half ounce is a splash for me. I love it. It also adds a little sweetness to it without having any syrup in there. So I think that that's great. 
And then from there, Brad, you are just going to give this little mix with your bar spoon. Little zhuzh. We're going to... Oh, I had a little runaway ice cube there. Happens. We're going to chill our liquids in the glass. And last and certainly not least, you're going to top it with some frothed eggnog. All right. So I thought about this, and I think that if I shake the eggnog because I don't have a good frother... Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, normally, like, what I would do is a hand frother, but cocktail shaker should work. Yeah, my hand frother sh- the bed, sorry. No, that's okay. Oh, yeah, pour it in there. Oh, no, that looks good. All right, I didn't use a lot of eggnog. How much eggnog should I have, should have used? It depends on, so I froth a lot, but that that's good. I froth about, I don't know, one to two ounces, probably more two ounces, and it froths up to, like, three. Look at that. That looks like a beautiful color, though. Oh, God damn it. That's good. Isn't that good? A little more eggnog. How much did you, do you think you used? Yeah, I'll tell you. I used about 40 milliliters, which... Is under an ounce? Translates to 1.35 fluid ounces. Okay. So I probably could have gone with two. two. And frothed it. Yeah, I think two would have been good. So you, anyone making this at home, do two ounces and froth your eggnog. But the flavors are there. And they combine. You can see the eggnog just kind of like drip down into the dark colors of the coffee liqueur. So really easy. You can build it in your glass. And you really have those holiday flavors. I think the amaretto is a nice touch. Some people might think it's too sweet. Oh my God, I love amaretto. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, again, if you're drinking eggnog and you're like, oh, I don't want anything too sweet. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I mean, eggnog is going to be on the sweeter side, although yeah. I will argue that this eggnog recipe that I have will put that sweetness to the test. <laughs> and, and it's even great inside of here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good. I just, I think I need, I needed to add just a little bit more. Uh, nog. More eggnog. I'm just too lazy to run down to the fridge to get it. I get it. But I will tell you to have that froth top to where you get like a little milk mustache, that's what you're looking for. That's your good test if you got a good eggnog froth is if when you sip, you have a mustache. So my first attempt then failed to your aesthetic standards. Mm -hmm. I will try this again and really give it a good froth. Maybe I'll get some batteries for my frother that the bed and give it another shot. Yeah, because I found the frother. It's just a quick little zhuzh. But yeah, it's really easy. Oh, and by the way, I will tell you this, Brad. The eggnog I'm using for this cocktail is not the eggnog you're going to make because mine is non-alcoholic, which is why it works here. Mm. Okay, well, maybe that was part of my problem. I should use non-alcoholic eggnog. Yeah, I think there is a slight miscommunication because when I make mine, and I know a lot of people make boozy eggnog, so I completely, that went right over my head. I always use for this the traditional non-alcoholic eggnog and I think it frosts better because there is no alcohol in there. Well, we will find out. I'll go use the, <laughs> no, the okay. other stuff too. Yeah. Good thing to note though. So if you make Brad's, maybe make a second batch that has no booze in it that you can use in cocktails. But I mean, at the same time, Brad, who cares? Use the boozy one. I mean, come on. Double it up. Meh. Come on. I'm here to have fun and have some cocktails. Yeah. All right. Let's be real. Okay. Enough on my end. Brad, you take the floor. Nog it up. <laughs> Let me tell you about how to make this killer, air quote, eggnog. And believe me, it's a killer. I'm going to go through the ingredients that you're going to need to buy and then give you kind of a few pointers here and then we'll go through the steps, okay? Mm -hmm. I will record myself doing this. I've already made it a couple of times. And I will also vouch for the fact that 
I have made several different recipes of eggnog, including one batch that I actually had to throw out, which broke my heart because I tried to riff. And this is, without a doubt, my favorite version of all of the eggnogs that I've tried. But I also like spirit-forward cocktails. Right. So it is very spirit-forward. Yummy. All right. This recipe actually came to me from my buddy, Andrew Losher, who got it from a friend of his family, uh, one Kathy Hodson. And apparently they used to make this when he was younger. Not going to go into ages now, but Andrew's liked it for a very long time. Okay. What you're going to want to go to the store and do is, and by the way, I halved this recipe, which still serves about eight to 12 people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So you could double this and easily make it for a massive party. So long as you have the moose cups. Yeah, you got to have the moose cups for sure. <laughs> and then when you drink it, like I said, Clark Griswold, you got to go, it's good. it's good, it's good. All right, here we go. One pound of sugar. Just get the pound of sugar. Don't worry about the diabetes. All right, one pound of sugar, six eggs, 16 ounces of bourbon, eight ounces of Jamaican rum, eight ounces of cognac, 24 ounces of heavy cream and 16 ounces of whole milk. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got it right. Okay, I just want to make sure my math was right when I halved it. Okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was like, Urgh. all right. <laughs> now we're going to follow these steps. Okay. So you need to separate your eggs. Jules doesn't use egg white. I do. Mm-hmm. Well, this recipe does. Yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people like yeah. it. I think it elongates and makes it a little bit more fluffy. It does. So what you're going to do is you're going to get two bowls, Mm -hmm. okay? And you want a mixing bowl for sure for both. So in one bowl, you're going to separate your eggs and you're going to put the egg yolks. In another mixing bowl, you're going to put the egg whites. Now, set the whites aside, okay? Go back to the yolks and you're going to add a pound of sugar. And then you are going to beat, and I suggest a handheld electric mixer, but you are going to beat that mixture up until it's smoothish, right? Give it a couple of minutes, okay? Just get it nice and mixed and, and you'll know what it looks like. Just smooth and, you know, you don't want any yolk chunks floating around there. Yeah. Then you're going to slowly stir in your bourbon and you are also going to be stirring into your Jamaican rum. Mm-hmm. Cognac doesn't go in yet, okay? So this stuff is going to slowly go in and you are going to mix by hand as you stir this in. And then once that's all incorporated in, you'll see that it thins out nicely. You are going to put that in the fridge and chill it for two to three hours. Hmm. Okay. Then after it's chilled for two to three hours, you're going to come back and you're going to stir in the milk, the cream, and the cognac. Okay. After you do that, you are going to beat your egg white into stiff fish peaks. Okay. Okay. And then after those have been beaten to a stiff peakish-like form, you are going to fold that into your egg yolk and booze mixture. Now, let me just tell you that people are like, well, what does it mean to fold something in? It is literally exactly how it sounds. You take a spatula, wooden or rubber, and you just start taking scoops of the egg white and you're just folding them into the mixture, just going from the bottom up over the top. It's a fold. Yeah. You just keep doing that, incorporating all that in until it's nice and blended and nice and smooth. And then you're going to take that, chill it for a little bit longer. If you like this stuff, holds really well. And then when you're ready to drink it, 
in the belly it goes. I like to grate a little fresh nutmeg over the top and watch out because a couple of these will catch up to you real quick. Oh, yeah. And I'd say a good serving is probably six ounces. Oof. You can do as much as eight. You can do as little as four. It's coming at you though. Uh-huh. Just know that this drink is coming at you. Yum. <laughs> and that's the killer eggnog. Wow. That sounds like a, a real treat. It's awesome. It's really, really delicious. And like I said, it's spirit forward. You're getting your bang for your buck right there. Yeah. Wow. No, that sounds fantastic. Mine is so different, but in a good way. I feel like now people have two different. You can make one that's non-alcoholic and a little bit creamier and it's more yellow. It's so good. Where Brad's is more of like a party nug. I like it. Yeah, definitely party nog, party time. <laughs> party, party time, time. party nog. Well, shoot. No, that sounds good. I wish I had a glass of it right now in my moose cup. But <laughs> I would love to know the history because this is a nostalgic cocktail. So I'd love to know how in the hell someone thought to put eggs, milk, booze, and sugar together. Yeah, this is a good one. We go back. Right. All right. Let's get to noggin, our egg noggin, and learn about the history. Wacky name, weird ingredients. It's a Christmas nostalgic. Everybody knows what eggnog is. You know what I don't mm-hmm. know is why. Why is eggnog eggnog? Yeah. I can kind of get to some of that. Please. We need, we need answers. Jules, I might have some. Okay. Let's get into the history. So I mentioned at the top of the episode, we'll talk a little bit about where it got its name. Mm-hmm. Definitely get into where the experts actually believe it came from. And then I've got some ties to medicine in here, as well as a little mm. scandal Ooh. at the end. Ooh, who doesn't love a good scandal? Yeah. Eggnog. The name eggnog, where does it come from? And there's a couple of theories here on this. And so one theory is, is that it's the combination of a couple of slang words from colonial times. So rum back then was referred to as grog. And innkeepers, barkeeps served it in a small wooden mug called noggins. And so they believe that eggnog, because it had egg in it, came from this term grog, nog. And Cute. that's how we got eggnog. I like that. People dispute that because there's a lack of proof, as with most things. Sure. <laughs> so others seem to think that it came from the term nug or nugged ale, which is a Scottish term, which is essentially it's an ale that's warmed with a hot poker. And you might recall something called posset, which we talked about in episodes past, that is warmed with a hot poker. Hmm. So I don't know if it really came from that either. Whatever the case may be, it is definitely an American term. Okay. Because again, egg meaning egg and dog meaning strong (laughs) ale. There was a clergyman that wrote about this in a poem that was discovered later after his death. So how it goes, and this goes from, this is from Jonathan Boucher. Boucher? Boucher. I always struggle struggle with the names. I would have been a terrible teacher. So he first wrote about this in a poem in 1775. And like I said, it wasn't published until later. Okay. So here's how the poem goes. And let's just see if you find it as beautiful as I do. Fog drams, I the morn, or eggnog, 
at nigh hot suppings. At midday grog, my palate can regale. I mean, I'm kind of looking for a rhyme here, personally. Like, I yeah. think this is probably the worst poem it, I've ever yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of, like, eggnog, good. Anyway. Doesn't really, uh, it's not really inspire me. Yeah. Sure. Okay, great. Eggnog makes print in America in the 1700s. So the term is American. However, the origins are not jewels. Early medieval Britain, there was a drink that was called posset. And that was warm milk that was curdled with alcohol, such as wine or ale, then flavored with spices, and then often heated up with a hot poker. Now, the medieval period, just so you know, is like the 470-something AD that goes all the way through the mid-1400s. So Mm -hmm. we're talking old, man. It's really old. And they used it as a cold and flu remedy. 13th century monks were believed to have had it added eggs to this drink, making it truly a posset. And they also introduced figs as well, oddly. I don't know why that's part of the story because I've never had eggnog with fig. But the thing you got to keep in mind is that eggs and dairy back then were luxuries that were really kind of limited to those who were fortunate enough to have them. I mean, they're a luxury now with with the egg crisis. I mean, come on. (laughs) God, I'm kidding. I mean, where was I during that not selling my chicken eggs in my backyard? Yeah, yeah, you really missed out on that one. Oh, I know. Why are you back? More eggs. I had them on a pip and everything. Anyways, that was me doing a chicken voice impersonation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, you, you could tell. Yeah, I put it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, good. So anyways, 1600s rolls around and the aristocracy was drinking eggnog with sherry to signify their wealth because sherry was definitely something that couldn't get unless you're wealthy. One recipe, Lord Carlisle's sack posset, used a mixture of cream, cinnamon, mace, nutmeg, egg white, egg yolks with sugar, mm. ambergris, and animal musk stirred oh. in. Now, yum, you're thinking, wow, animal musk. Where does that come from? It comes from the musk gland of the musk deer. So sounds like something I'd want to squirt into my drink for sure. Yum. But wait, it gets better because ambergris is a byproduct of the sperm whale, and it is a solid, waxy, yet flammable substance that is dull gray or blackish in color. And it is found in the whale's intestinal tract. Wow, okay. Rock that appears. Yeah. And freshly produced ambergris has a fishy fecal odor to it. You know- but I, uh, I don't yeah. envy that era. I don't envy that era. Mm-mm. Honest to God, like what? Who like just like? Oh, that's gonna be so uh, good in my stomach. What can I put this in? Oh, here's some milk and, and eggs. Eggs. Gee, what? I feel like this sick? needs to go together. Oh man. <laughs> the hell? However, somewhere, someone along the line figured out that both animal musk and this ambergris actually can be utilized in perfumes because when ambergris dries, it acquires a sweet, earthy scent as huh. it ages. Maybe that's why they thought they could use it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but for sure, one. this is why you don't always go with the first and original recipe on things. Holy Christ. Right. Could you? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's foul. That is absolutely foul. That is foul. All right, so 
being popular in Great Britain meant that it was popular with colonial America uh, mm-hmm. because the Americans were colonized by the British and other Europeans too, sure. Yep. But with the British colonists, they brought some traditions. So sherry, brandy, and cognac back then were really expensive to import from Britain and Europe and it was heavily taxed. So Americans drank it with rum and they introduced rum to the concoction. And that rum came from the Caribbean, as you know, if you've listened to other episodes. And it was cheap. It wasn't taxed that heavily. It was easy to access. And it wasn't until the Revolutionary War where some changes were made because shipping rum up from the Caribbean during the Revolutionary War wasn't a great idea because the Brits would sink the ships as they <laughs> entered the harbor. And you know, there's risk that they might seize the shipments coming by land. I don't know if any shipments did come by land. Seems like a long way to haul that up, but I'm sure that's that was the case. It may have happened. So they stopped drinking it with rum, and then they started to turn to other sources and like whatever they could get their hands on. And bourbon was one of those things, rye whiskey being another. Moonshine, of course, hard cider. You know that uh, when we talked about the Applejack not that long ago, I think it might have been last week, we talked about how hard cider was a thing here, as was Applejack or Apple Brandy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure those made it into the eggnog, although I didn't see any recipes that called for it. But if they were putting alcohol in it, and if we know the colonials, they definitely were putting alcohol in it, they probably grabbed Applejack too. So they say George Washington even served an eggnog-like drink. Like, why wouldn't he? He drank and loved to drink. And I'm sure he served whatever he liked to drink. And he would serve that with rye whiskey. Mm. It was probably trending too. So he wanted to be hip and with the times. That guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, he was uh, on trend for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, running for the presidency and all, you know, he wanted people please. Yeah, yeah. So 1800s roll around and we talked about its connection to cold and flu remedies earlier. Doctors thought it was ideal to serve up different nutrients and medicines for those who are on liquid diets, of course, but it was also the perfect vehicle to help fight off typhoid fever, dysentery, diphtheria, and ulcers, as well as tuberculosis. I mean, nothing probably makes your ulcer feel better than a good stiff shot of alcohol delivered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> through, through egg and, and dairy. But essentially, the proteins, the fats, those okay. all came with essential vitamins. And we do know there's actual medical benefits to certain remedies. We're not saying it replaces modern medicine, but there were, sure. in fact, benefits from, from drinking way back then. Mm-hmm. So warming spices, nutmeg, all that stuff just kind of made people feel good. And also those spices help relieve whatever ails them. And uh, the nurses even wrote about recipes in their journals. And there was a journal entry from 1884 that called for milk, egg, and sweetened up to taste, and then adding brandy, whiskey, or port wine. Now, you're asking me, well, all right, Brad, how did it become associated with the holidays? And eh, the history kind of lacks excitement in that regard. There's no single, ah, this became associated with the history because of this point in time, and -and so-and-so served it, and everybody said, yes, this belongs in the holidays. Chances are, because it was something that was often served warm, it was often served then during the colder months or when people weren't feeling well, it's often around the colder months that happens to be around the holidays. And by the time it got to the United States, it definitely was a holiday time treat. So that's not as exciting as the eggnog riot of 1826. Wow. The eggnog riot. West Point Military Academy. New York on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Superintendent 
of West Point at the time, bans alcohol on campus because of alcohol-related incidents in previous years. Eek. So, like any uh, good soul and listener here, you know, you're going to get invited to a dry wedding or a dry event. You're going to be like, eh, maybe I'm back in a little something uh-huh. in the old flascarino, right? Or, you know, at least drinking beers in the parking lot. Does anybody else do that? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Anyways, students and whatnot brought in whiskey and spiked the old eggnog. And that got people going. <laughs> yes, it did. And let me just tell you, stuff got crazy. The students got hammered and these 90 cadets participated in the party by assaulting officers, oh. assaulting the dishware, assaulting no. windows, assaulting <laughs> assaulting just their general surroundings and just tore this place no. apart. Jeez. Tore it apart. So much so that it na- they got a name, right? The Eggnog Riot of 1826. It wow. has its place in history. 19 cadets were court-martialed. 11 were expelled. Of the eight that remained, one became the president of the Confederate States, a one Jefferson Davis. Wow. That's the history on Eggnog. No one's really sure how it got its name. We're pretty confident. In fact, I think we, I, I don't, there's any doubt that it came from the posset, which comes from medieval times, yeah, uh, Great Britain. God, we evolved that recipe, huh? Yeah. And it's without a doubt a holiday staple. Yes, it is. And hey, drink enough and you <laughs> might start swinging and throwing punches <laughs> at your next well, holiday event. Always remember what Brad says. Wait, what is it? You always say alcohol doesn't make you angry. <laughs> you make you angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alcohol doesn't make you mean. You make, make you, you mean. mean. Alcohol yeah. just removes the barrier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you're drinking nug, only good holiday spirits are, are yeah, welcome. Make sure you're table. in a good mood before you consume mass quantities totally. of alcohol. Yeah. Especially eggnog when you're around your family and friends. And Might be tough for some, so know your limits. Yeah, duck's back, baby. Just let that stuff roll off your back. Don't take anything personal. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. yeah, have a little more nug. It'll be fine. Harder for some than others. Yeah. Well, cool. I didn't realize how, I mean, I guess I should have known how old it was, but I'm just so glad we are not in medieval times. Good Lord. Good God. <laughs> oh. Are they okay? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, they didn't stick around very long. You know, no. I think the average age was like 15. No wonder. <laughs> Trying everything left and yeah. right. Jesus. Hmm, that smells crappy. Let's eat it. <laughs> Let's heat it up. <laughs> Must be good for you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad we evolved. Is that sh- it might hmm. be. It might yes. be good. Spread that on your toast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> They're crazy. But you know what's not crazy? is how good eggnog is. So if you've never had eggnog, this is your sign to try it boozy or not. Definitely give it a whirl if you never have. I don't think you'll regret it. It's really delicious. Give it a whirl. Serve it at your next party. Yeah. It's not something you're going to make for just yourself. At least not that recipe. No. Well, cool. Should we do the tips? I want to hear tips. Jules, yes. I'm ready for a tip. Okay. I'm going to tip you all out. And we are talking holiday ice. Now, I have a really cute idea that I've seen online that I wanted to share with all of you. And that is to make a little Christmas village in your glass. And what I mean by Christmas village is it looks like a snowy Christmas tree. And the way that you're going to do that, you're going to get your glass. You're going to get some string. You're going to get a sprig of rosemary. 
What you're going to do is you're going to want to put your rosemary in the middle of your glass with string tied on each side. And you're going to put it right in the middle of the glass and put the string on the sides of the glass and tape it with just regular tape so the rosemary stays right in the middle. From there, you're going to add in water about a quarter of the way full, and then you're going to put that in the freezer. You're going to let that freeze. And then once it's frozen, you take away the rope that you put to hold the rosemary and your rosemary will stick right up out of the frozen section of the water and it'll look like a little Christmas tree. So the best cocktail to put in there is to put a gin and tonic in there then put little cranberries. So it looks like a little Christmas village in your glass. What? How cute and it stays is that? At the bottom of the glass, yeah. Yeah, until your and ice do you melts. Add, do you add more ice in, or you just kind of? Well, yeah. I mean, I've done it with like a gin and tonic, so I don't really need to because the ice is there. Another good cocktail would be like a clear Negroni, but you, you just want like a clear cocktail. So I guess I would say with the gin and tonic, maybe fill halfway because you want more ice. Oh, I can see a Negroni working kind of like a forest fire Negroni. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or you could just do a white Negroni and make it like festive. That's one way. The other way, which I think is the most fun if you're making a punch bowl, is to make a ice, a holiday ice ring, ice mold. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get a bunt tin. Sometimes they have really cool designs on the bottom. Oh, yeah. And what you're going to want to do is fill it up with citrus slices. I like to use oranges or blood oranges, some rosemary sprigs, and cranberry. And you're going to fill that halfway up. And I've okay. actually done it before where you put a little layer at the bottom and you put that in the freezer. So you let that freeze and almost hold all those ingredients down. Then you fill the rest up with water and you put it back in. And I don't do the full bunt tin. I do half. So again, you have your small little layer to get all the ingredients frozen to the bottom. And then you can add about halfway of water. And then you let that freeze completely. What you're going to want to do is you're going to want to just heat up with your hand on one side so you can catch it, just with a little warm water to just loosen the ice mold out of the cake mold. You put that right in a big punch bowl and you make your cocktail and you grab your spoon and you serve up the cocktails in individual glasses, but it gives you just such a nice holiday ice presentation in your punch bowl. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about if I take that bunt tin and maybe fill my sink up or a larger vessel that will hold warm water, I'd lower the yes. bunton into the warm water. Okay, and that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it'll like loosen it up out of the... Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's a cool tip. Yeah, it's like so it. fun. And last thing, see, I go on tangents, but I swear to God, this is the last God, see, here you go. I thought it was two. I know. Get an ice tray. You know how you can just fill it up with water and fill it up uh -huh. with cranberry juice or pomegranate juice and use that in your next Aperol spritz. Yeah, the garnish game's impressive, right? Yeah. Jules, you got a great garnish game and... I've heard other people say it, and I do believe it. You absorb with your eyes, obviously, <laughs> first. And you could have a really sexy-looking cocktail, I think, and have the cocktail be mediocre, and people are like, oh, it's great. Yeah. Not saying that that's the case with you, but it just adds to the experience. I need to up my garnish game. I focus on the content. Uh, you focus on both. And so, you know what? You didn't challenge me, but I just accepted a challenge. I'm going to up my garnish game. Up your garnish game with some holiday ice this holiday season. All right, Brad? It's easy. Cool. All right. Great tips. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. 
Don't worry, we will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjewels.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at The Art of Drinking Podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jewels or at Favorite Uncle Brad. That's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jewels Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jewels and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.